Good morning. It's good to see you all. Hey, you know, as we continue this series on life with God, I was thinking about our lives uh, normally from day to day. Life is busy. Life is full. Life is complicated. Our lives are filled with worries and stresses and all sorts of exhaustion, right? That, that day-to-day of life is, is tough. It's tough, even just in the normal, normal parts of life without even anything major happening. Life can be full. Life is busy. And so today, we want to talk about simplicity. How can we begin to introduce some simplicity into our lives, Because we believe that simplicity is essential for us. Practicing simplicity is essential for us to have any kind of victory over the anxieties and the worries of this world. And so I want us to uh, consider our life. Consider what our life is filled with, whether that's our time or our stuff or whatever that could be. How is our life? Is it complex? Is it busy? Is it stressful? Or is it simple? My hunch is simplicity is a little bit difficult. And that's why we need to practice it, right? It is a practice. It is a way that we can begin to practice life with God. And so just try and think of today practicing simplicity like you would think of I'm going to go sit down and read my Bible or pray or spend some time in solitude or fast. We've talked about all these different spiritual practices to help us to have a life with God. Today it is about simplicity. And practicing simplicity is simply to create space. It's kind of what even Lauren did as she was leading us in worship today. She was just like, had a sense from God just in that moment, that was, that was an unplanned moment that it just was cool, just that she was like, hey, we just need a space for a moment. But having a life of simplicity creates space so that there's margin for us to be aware of how God is working, right? That often we're like so, every little thing is filled, every little space in our schedule, every little nook and cranny of our house, Everything is full, right? It's all full. How can we create some space with simplicity? So let's begin to think about that. There's going to be some parts of it that are a mindset shift, a heart shift, and then some actual just stuff to do, practices that you can do to be able to live this out in some way, just like you would, like I said, with fasting or whatever. It's a spiritual practice. So here, we get into it. The first thing is seek God first. We want a life of simplicity. We need to place our priorities in the right place. Seek God first. Matthew 6.33, this awesome passage of scripture where Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Or the version that I grew up memorizing as a kid, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. All these things, that's the stuff we're worried about. That's the stuff our life is filled with. And all these things that will be added unto you, or this, the NLT says he will give you everything you need. We're worried about a lot of stuff. We're stressed about a lot of stuff. And what tends to happen is 
99.9% of our life is focused on and all these things. And God says, how about you focus on seeking me first, my kingdom, my way, and living according to my way, and then let me provide for the, all these things, right? So that's part of living simply, is knowing what we should be seeking after first and foremost. So even when it comes to, let's say, your faith journey, like your, your life with God, how can you kind of begin to think most simply about it? And I've been sort of struck by even uh, on sabbatical, which really helps you kind of think simply, okay? But it's like, just receive God's love, love God in return, then out of that, love others, and just pass that on, right? Just how can we be living this kind of life that just says, okay, I want to be, I want to create space, create enough margin in my life that I can be aware enough to receive the love of God, the love that God is just longing to give to you. Receive that love of the Father and then love him in return. Then love people and just pass that on, right? Pass that on. What you have received, pass on and give to someone else. That's discipleship. That's making disciples. That you have, you have lived this out. You have received this from God and from others and then you're passing it on. That's just... That, like think that simply about what your faith is about. And maybe you're adding a bunch of other stuff to it. And maybe you need to kind of pull some of these other concerns away and hone in and focus on receive God's love, love God, love others, pass that on. And just focus in on that. And, and, don't, and think about what is kind of pulling you away from that. We were even just on a pastoral staff retreat this last week, and just I felt like God was really ministering to us as a pastoral staff of like this, that's what we need to be about. That's what we need to be about doing is just that simple stuff. And we're doing all sorts of a bunch of other great things, all sorts of awesome events and activities and things like that. But how can we just be about receive God's love, love God in return, love others, pass that on, pass that on, pass that on. How can we be about that even more? And so I encourage you, we want to see how we can be like more about this sort, of, this sort of simplicity as a church and think about all the kind of other stuff we're adding on to it. Because uh, 2 Corinthians 11.3 is a pretty interesting passage. He says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. How are we led astray by the enemy? Away from the simplicity. It should be simple. It should be just about that purity of devotion to Jesus. Seek first. Seek God first. Let that be what your life is totally about. If you want to pursue simplicity, like if, or if you want to pursue God, pursue simplicity. Because again, the goal is not the practice. The goal is not to be good at fasting or good at praying or to be good at reading your Bible or to be good at being like the more simple you are, the better or something. No, the goal is to have a life with God. Right? The goal is to have that sense of, uh, of receiving God's love, loving God in return, then loving others and passing it on. That's what we should be about. That is what God has created us for. And so how can we not be led astray by all the other worries and concerns of this life, of this country, of this world, of this church, but to be honed in and focused on that?
And so we seek God first. And then as we do that, we find true contentment. Because part of simplicity is being content with what God has provided for you. Not this need to get more and more and more and more. Whether that's to do more things or to have more stuff or to whatever, like however that looks for you to add more and more and more to your life, what that temptation is for you. For us, as we seek God first, we find true contentment in him. Philippians 4, 11 through 12, the Apostle Paul writes, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. You see Paul like right there, he's like, I've got this. I've got this secret. Like I've, I've been rich, I've been poor. I've been hungry, I've been full. There is like, the, here is the secret of all these. He says, he says uh, I have learned, oh no, I did, I did a bad thing. <laughs> I did a copy-paste error. Okay, I'm going to look this up in my actual Bible. Philippians 4, 11 through 12. This is because I added, I think I added this verse. Um, Okay, you're going to see if I actually know my Bible here. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay, so Philippians 4, 11 through 12. Started with, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. That's where he started. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And you see, Paul's like, I can do everything. The next verse is where he says, I can do everything through Christ. Because Paul, in chapter 1, he's telling them, in chapter 1 of Philippians, he says, my entire life, all I care about is that the good news of Jesus Christ is spread. He even says, I don't even care if people do that out of false motives or selfish motives. All I care about is that the gospel is spread, that the good news is spread. He's content. He doesn't care if he's rich or poor. He doesn't care if he's hungry or full. He doesn't care if he has more stuff. He doesn't care about any of that because all he cares about, he's laser focused on the mission of Jesus in this world. And so he has contentment as he sees the good news spread in the world around him because that's what his life's purpose is about. So then we consider, okay, how do I think about my things? How do I think about my pursuits or my dreams or my schedule? And is, is all of that focused on the dreams of Jesus that we read about in the scriptures? Is it focused on what God wants us to be focused on? Because that's when we can have true contentment. Uh, Richard Foster, uh, who does a lot of writing on kind of like spiritual practices and this kind of stuff, he wrote way back in 1981, he says this. That's why I wanted to say 1981 because he says the word contemporary culture. Talking about 81 contemporary culture, all right? Contemporary culture is plagued by a passion to possess. I'd say we still are. Okay, many years later, 40 years later, we are still plagued by a passion to possess. The unreasoned boast abounds that the good life is found in accumulation, that more is better. 
He says, indeed, we often accept this notion without question, with the result that the lust for affluence in contemporary society has become psychotic. We have a passion to possess, a lust for affluence, to be rich, to have stuff, to have more and more and more. That was an issue in 81. I'd say that's an issue today. And, you know, I I think that uh, we need to consider that. To consider what is, like, because I think even if you don't have anything, even if you're poor, often it's even greater that you've got this passion to possess more and more and more stuff because you feel like you don't have and so you're, you're lusting after that even more. And then even those that then are, are rich are lusting for even more and more and more. It's this hoarding mentality of more and more and more. And then I think God is calling us to a sort of uh, Marie Kondo uh, decluttering of our life in all sorts of ways. So if you don't know Marie Kondo, just very briefly, she had the book and this little TV show of just like people that were kind of like hoarders or had too much stuff or whatever, go into your house and you have to pick up every item in your house and look at it and say, does this spark joy in me? And then if it does, you keep it. If it doesn't, you get rid of it. You give it away, throw it away, whatever. So what I would say to you is, does it spark God joy? <laughs> Available for fourteen and nine in the bookstore, and I get no money. But uh, I get no money; it all goes to refugees. But help them, okay? So, <laughs> but no, like all jokes aside, I actually think that's a good idea. Like, pick up the things in your life, and does this spark like a? a from God joy in you that this is like what can help you be content and help you pursue the mission of Jesus in this world, right? Does that item help you in that way? Do you need it? Is it a source of contentment for you or is it about hoarding more and more? And I think you can apply that to your possessions. You can apply that to your schedule, the way you use your time as well. The things you take in to your mind as well through, through reading or, or phones or other forms of media, right? So we think about how can we sort of God joy Marie Kondo that out of our lives. Um, now, you even kind of, but you see even in contemporary culture today, there's sort of like a, a trendiness of minimalism, okay? So minimalism is, is, is kind of like a, a trendy movement of sorts. You might uh, hear about people that say, oh, try to live off a hundred things, that you'd only own a hundred things, or you live in a tiny house, or everything is, you know, you see this sort of on trend that like monochromatic, like everything in someone's home is just like the same color essentially. And uh, so there's just like very, this like kind of this minimalism, simplistic kind of way of, of living and thinking that's on trend. And so what we have to be careful of, it's again, it's not about the practice. It's not about simplicity. It's about simplicity for a purpose. It's that we think about how can we create space so that we have margin for God to work in our lives, for us to be used by God for us to react in the moment. We want to have that kind of margin in all of our lives that we aren't so full that we have like a a leading from the Lord in some way in our lives and we're like, ah, I'm just too busy, you know, or I'm just too, I'm too overwhelmed with all the things going on or I, yeah, I don't know. Just it's, it's all of that way of living that we can't just think, it's not just about being minimalist. It's not just about having a simplistic mindset, but it is about being on mission for God. 
Romans 8, 5 to 6 says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Then it says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. I would say even letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to being crippled with anxiety, leads to being overwhelmed, leads to being hopeless and purposeless in this world. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Life and peace from the Spirit of God. That's contentment. That's true contentment. And so we ask the Holy Spirit, Control my mind. Influence my mind. May my thoughts come from you, Lord. May you uh, rebuke the enemy and keep the enemy away from invading my thoughts and help my thoughts to be your thoughts, Lord. And as we worship and as we pray and as we, as we live a generous life and as we um, even think about how we can live simplistic in a more, in a practice of simplicity, God says, okay, I'm going to give you life and peace. All right. So we need to find that true contentment. And then I'd say the next thing we want to do is, yeah, we pursue less, but the best. That's what we want to be about. Like this whole less is more thing is all about, okay, maybe I need to pursue less, but also hone in on what is the best thing to be pursuing. That's why we seek God first to find true contentment. And then we begin to simplify our life so that we can pursue what is best. Philippians 1, 9 through 10 says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. So he wants you to keep growing in knowledge. But again, it's not just like for the accumulation of more information. He says this, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. So we pursue what really matters. And again, that is like into what is the good news of Jesus? What is God's mission in this world? That we would share the love of Jesus with other people, that we would help other people that don't know Christ to know that there is hope for them as they are destined for a life apart from God in hell, that you can have a life with God. A life of grace and forgiveness in your life. That's what really matters. That's the beginning of making a disciple. And then we help them to receive God's love and to love God in return and to love others and then pass it on, right? That's what really, really essentially matters most. So owning less, buying less, doing less creates space for that generosity, that love, that pursuit of purpose, And so the fruit of simplicity in your life is that you create that margin. You create that space for God to work for the good things that you hope for in your life. Um, I was even talking to Robert Carter, one of our pastors, uh, about this. And he was just talking about how even his quiet time, he said, even my quiet time, like my time with the Lord was crowded. I was, he said, I'd, I'd had my Bible and my journal and like a devotional book and like a commentary and I had a candle and then I had my pen and I had like, I had music playing and I had just the right coffee. And he saw all of a sudden, he's like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> simplify this. Like, I don't need all this stuff. Just go and 
sit in a chair and pray and just spend time with the Lord, that you could simplify sometimes all the stuff that we're trying to do. Even that can get crowded. Uh, I think about simplicity like food. Um, I love food. I love cooking. I love eating good food. And sometimes the best food isn't the most complex. It's not the most complicated. It's the most simple. Simple doesn't mean flavorless or boring, right? Like a steak with no sauce is the best steak, okay? A simple steak, a good steak cooked with just a little bit of salt and pepper, and it's got to be fatty because God said eat the fat, not eat the filet. And so you have just a nice fatty ribeye with just a little salt and pepper. That's all you need. You don't need all the sauce and stuff. Simplicity is good. So I just want to just have you get that, that I'm not saying like a boring, flavorless life. It's a good life. Simplicity is the good life with the Lord. I think about the story of Mary and Martha uh, in the Gospels, where Jesus is going to their house, and they're having a dinner party, and and Mary and Martha are there, these sisters, and Martha is the one that's doing all the work. She's doing all the preparations, all the cooking, uh, all of that. She's super busy, and Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping, listening, being with him. And Martha's mad, right? She's like, what's going on, Jesus? I'm doing all the work here. And Jesus says, hey, Mary has chosen what is better. Martha, you're, you're worried about a lot of stuff, but Mary's chosen what is better here. And so to be with Jesus in worship and devotion to him, the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ, that is what is better. Yeah, work's got to be done, but there's these moments where we have to say, I have space to just sit with Jesus. That is pursue less but the best. A quote by a guy named Charles Wagner who wrote a book called The Simple Life way back in 1901 says, a man is simple when his chief care is the wish to be what he ought to be. And this is neither so easy nor so impossible as one might think. And so this pursue less but the best is also like understanding what your purpose is. What has God called you to do? How has God shaped you uniquely to make an impact in his world? And as you pursue that, you're able to live that simple life, but with great, great impact. Okay, so let's kind of, let's talk about some ideas of how we can find this simple life regardless of our circumstances, okay? How can we find this simple life regardless of our circumstances? We live according to the model of Jesus, first of all, okay? Now, he tells his disciples, who had already had decided to follow him and have kind of given up all their, like, <laughs> all their, like, family and jobs and stuff, and they're out following Jesus. And then he says, then he gets into this whole story. He says, one day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. And then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So there's purpose, right? There's getting into what they should be doing with their lives and how God has gifted them and empowered them and shaped them. They're going to go out and with authority from the Spirit of God, cast out demons, heal people of diseases, and preach the kingdom of God. And then he says to them this, take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. 
don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. He says, just simplify, hone in on what will help you be focused on the task that I have given you and I have empowered you to do. So how can we be thinking about that? Because it's not just about, this isn't supposed to be just a talk on giving up of our materialism. Sure, that's an issue. But some of you probably think, you know, hey, you want me to declutter my life? Well, I'd, I'd love to have some clutter. You know, I'd love to have some stuff. I'm, I, I don't really have a lot. And if that's your situation, I get that. It could be the lust for the more stuff, whatever it is. That God has called us to have space, though, to be able to be used by him. Uh, and so, some ways that we can kind of look into what a simplified life could be. One, I would say, could be to declutter your digital life. We tend to live a digital life on these crazy phones we carry around and our computers and our tablets and our TVs and our uh, smart cars and all sorts of stuff. We've got a digital life in front of us everywhere we go. And maybe you need to declutter some of that. Maybe you've got so many things that you could possibly do on your phone that you could never be bored in your life. Not maybe, yes, that's the case for all of us. But like how can you begin to consider, okay, with social media things that I'm taking in or news that I'm taking in or games that I'm playing or things that help me be more productive at work, so productive that I never stop thinking about work, right? Like how can you begin to cut that kind of stuff out of your life in some way? Uh, so how can you de declutter your digital life. Consider that. Does your digital life need to be decluttered? Maybe you need to declutter your schedule, your time. You know, there's that whole illustration. I've done it. I've personally done it enough times. I shouldn't need to do it again up here. But it's that whole thing of as you think about your life uh, to put all the things in a jar and you need to put these big rocks and these small rocks and sand and fit it all into this one jar. Like the only way you can fit all that stuff into the jar is to put the big rocks in first. And that's to help us to understand that the only way to fit everything that matters into our life is to start with the most important things. If you start with the sand and the little things and the little rocks, you you won't be able to fit those big rocks in. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these little rocks and sand will be added unto you. Okay, that's how we can be thinking about that. And so consider your life. Are you scheduling what is most important first, or are you being ruled by your calendar? Does your calendar lead you, or do you lead your calendar? And then I would take you one level up and say, have you allowed the Holy Spirit to rule your calendar and to listen to him? Lord, how would you have me use my, my years, my months, my weeks, my days, my hours? Lord, how would you have me use my time and declutter and create some space? Create space in your schedule for margin to be used by God. Uh, some other things, uh, I would say, learn to say no, okay? A practice that maybe a lot of you need to learn is the spiritual practice of saying no. You don't have to do everything everyone asks you to do and the timing that everyone asks you to do it. So be prepared to learn, <laughs> to talk to God, to have God help you to learn to say no about some things in your life. And then uh, some other ways that we can do this as a practice. Here's just like some, some things to think about. 
refused to enter any kind of store more than once a week. Maybe that's aside from groceries or something, but just like, I think that we, we walk around and we just, we go places and walk around and allow ourselves to just window shop and be enticed by what the world wants us to consume, right? More, more, more. And so that's like a form of the world discipling you but refuse to enter that world. Like as a spiritual practice, say, for this next month, I'm going to go into one store once a week and that's it. And it's kind of like fasting, right? It's fasting in that sort of a way. That's a spiritual practice. You could do your Marie Kondo God Joy, decluttering your, your house, your life, your stuff. Maybe you're just surrounded by so much stuff that you can't think or you're always concerned about what the next thing is you can have. Maybe it's something like, buy a new car every 10 years and not before. Something like that. Maybe it's don't get the new phone the minute it comes out. Maybe wait a little bit. You get the last version or something, if that's an issue for you. So as we go through this, this is all just little ideas of ways that you can practice this. Uh, You could do something like for a certain amount of time, live on a very small weekly allowance. Other than, let's say other than like your bills that are being paid to like stay in your house. But like live on a weekly allowance of $20 or $50 or whatever. Like set something and say, okay, I'm going to learn to live simply for this next month off this amount of money per week. As a spiritual practice to allow you to begin to think simply or live more simply. That could be eating out less than once a week in a month. That could be giving away a piece of clothing every time you buy a new piece of clothing, okay? That you're not just getting more and more, you're thinking about giving as well as just getting. Uh, So there's just, there's more things. I think about this other one of uh, like give yourself a, like your favorite thing allowance. So if you tend to be someone that has, uh, that likes to spend money, let's say on like power tools or uh, books or let's say triathlon gear or surfing or whatever. Like you have this stuff that you want to buy. Like say, okay, I love this thing. It's not saying that your hobby thing that you like doing is wrong. It's just saying, You don't need to always be getting more. So set aside maybe a limit on that for yourself as a spiritual practice. And so all this is super subjective. What you need to do is to think about what do I need? What's my issue? Is my issue my time? Is my issue my spending? Is my issue my stuff? Is it my lust for more? Am I hoarding more and more? Am I so, so like consumed with the future and my concern for that, that it's just all, it, you know, everything goes into savings, so you're not a person of giving, of generosity? I don't know what it is for you. You have to think about your life. You have to think about your issues. And then what I want you to try to think about doing then is what can be a spiritual practice of simplification in your life? One step that you can take towards simplicity to create space and margin for God to work. It's different. It's a little unique in this way, right? It's like a little different than thinking about, okay, I'm going to go pray today or I'm going to fast or I'm going to go read my Bible But I think this is a way that you can think about your life that will help you for the long run. And it's not for the purpose of being simplistic. It is not for the purpose of pursuing simplicity. It is for the purpose of seeking God first, finding true contentment, pursuing what God has for your life, the purposes that God has given you, and creating space and margin for that.
So I want to pray for you in that. And I want you to consider, as we pray, just consider, what is one thing you can do? Write that down, write it as a note in your phone, whatever you got to do, a reminder, some way that you can practice this. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would search my heart, that you would search each one of our hearts for ways that we can have less, spend less, store up less, do less, so that you can work in our lives, God. Or so that we can have ears to hear. So that we have space in our schedule to respond. God, I pray that this would lead to a life with you. Lord, I pray that you would be the Lord of our lives and not our schedules, not our stuff, not our bills. God, this is such a different issue for each person in this room. We have people from every point on the spectrum of socioeconomics and busyness. Lord, everybody's in a different place with this, Lord. But I pray that your spirit would speak into each heart and mind here of how we should respond to you, God. And then may we be a people who are living life with you. In Jesus' name, amen.